Welcome to Cult and Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to another episode of Cult and Classic Films Podcast, the podcast where we bring you two thematically linked films, one mainstream and one cult, and talk about them both. In this case, we're not doing what I just said. We're actually doing a special one-off episode, uh, Comfort Films. This is going to be where uh, our panelists, myself included, talk about movies or TV shows that we find comfort in, the stuff we watch over and over again when you're feeling bad, when you're trying to sleep, whatever the case is, we're going to just, I'm leaving it wide open, so we're going to talk about those. First, let's introduce our cast. I, of course, am Nate Wyckoff, film critic and comedian, and with me I have my lovely, lovely wife, if I could speak, tongue-tied around her even now, Corinne Porter. How are you doing, Corinne? Besides me, do, since the last time we spoke, great. <laughs> so much has changed. I know it's been a long time. <laughs> it's there, been a long time. There's, there's a, there's between the hallway and the door. There's at least eight feet between us. Uh, oh, and how are you? <laughs> at least, how are you doing, Tad Mastriani, longtime contributor? What's it to you? Uh that's what I expect from the Italian stallion man. And lastly, but not least, we have our Longtime contributor Mandy Longley. How are you doing, Mandy? Good. Trying to regain the ability to speak after that last <laughs> line. <laughs> the Italian stallion, which of course yeah. actually refers to uh, Stallone, uh, both mm. in Rocky and in his pornography film, which was uh, pre-Rocky. Anywho, it's okay. So the special uh, scenario that we posed to our panelists, or rather, the special question we asked was, "What?" films or tv shows are your comfort watches what do you watch to bring you comfort i'm gonna start with my good friend tad tad what are your comfort films what are they why when did you find them primarily my comfort film is uh the big lebowski it is a film that i have no idea how many times i've watched but it is absolutely a film where if it's on i'm just going to sit down uh, and and sometimes that just does happen. Like someone, I'll walk in and I'll be like, "Hey, yeah, I'm gonna watch this now." And uh, I have shared this film with many people in my life, friends, family, and there are very few people who actually really enjoy uh, this movie on the same level that I do. And that's possibly because people try too hard to actually understand what the fuck the movie's about which is not what you're supposed to do with a Coen Brothers film. Typically with a Coen Brothers film, you just go, that happened. You know, like, it's not like, it's not like, uh, it's not like Burn After Reading is a movie that is, uh, is comparable to The Big Lebowski in terms of whether there is a deeper message in there. Because the movie at the end literally is like, what have we learned? Uh, don't do that again, I guess. And uh, and everyone... Right, it's almost like... Ends the movie. It's almost, yeah, it's almost like the movie ends by saying, what do we do? Well, we'd say nothing, but that didn't work for this guy. Um, you know, it's... And I agree with you with Coen Brothers in general. Now, I love the Coen Brothers uh, as filmmakers. I actually didn't care much for... And this is... Thank God this isn't 15 years ago, because I would have been, like, hung out uh, by, by white society for this. I didn't think Brother... Oh, brother, where art? That was that great. Uh, I it's didn't not. really. It's I not. Didn't get I will it. join you in that. It's not that great. I I didn't get it. Um, I mean, I it just. I guess I got it. I didn't care for it, which is totally viable. Uh, there are many reasons, but whereas the Big Lebowski is interesting because I, I, resisted watching it for so many years because of a lot of the people I knew who like said it was the greatest thing ever. I was like. I don't think you know what good is, so I'm not going to watch this film. Because it's one of those weird movies where it's sold, like, they had posters of it at Spencer's for an eternity alongside Scarface. Um, and it has its Coen own Rose religion Wayne. at this point. Yeah, like, it's really, and, and I mean, nothing against you know, gangster flicks in general, um, but, you know, Scarface is definitely a, a, a film of its time, and Brian De Palma's Strange Departure. Uh, as a narrative, I don't think it's very strong. It's certainly not The Godfather. Uh, I agree with John Mulaney in that fact. But I, I finally did on the recommendation um, of, I actually didn't know you liked that movie, Tad, to be honest, because I would have watched it earlier if you'd recommended it. But 
I did watch it on the recommendation of uh, my my good friend, um, and it is brilliant. It also has some of my favorite people in it. Of course, it has Jeff Bridges, which he does a great job, but it also has one of my favorite actors of all time, John Goodman, in my favorite role he has ever done. Oh my God, it's so good. Um, the 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 gun scene is it. I I think about it more often than than I. I think anyone else probably does. It is, it is uh, and, one of those movies. I think it is so heavily quoted in pop culture that there are people out there who know those quotes who will not have ever seen the movie and won't understand the context. Sure. Ever. And 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 Tom Broderick, who's my friend, maybe you're listening out there, Tom. Hi. Uh, they recommended it, and I watched it um, after he'd recommended another film, which we will talk about on this podcast, so I'm not even going to name it. Uh, that I absolutely adored. And it was brilliant. It also has uh, one of my favorite actresses, Tara Reid, in it. She plays a very small but very vital role, uh, at which I think I think probably her most well-known scene, she has two scenes uh, that are most well-known for this film. One is just her running by in the background behind the sliding doors without her top. And the other scene is, I think, I, I'm going to butcher the quote, but I think it's pretty much, I'll give you a blowjob for $500 or something like that. Uh, the number and the general language is wrong, but for those to be one of the crowning, the lines for the crowning role, I mean, she's done many other things, but that's, there's something iconic and very, very um, American dream about that to me. And uh, I love that movie. So The Big Lebowski by the Coen brothers is is your comfort film, yes? Yes. All right, good choice, good choice. Let me go to my lovely wife, and uh, TV and film lover, Corinne Porter. How are you doing, Corinne? And I guess I already asked you that. What are your <laughs> comfort watches? Um, have you talked about, remind me, have you talked about Enola, the Enola films? I don't think. Uh, we did a mini review of the first Enola. Of the first one? Uh, Enola Holmes film, yes. And we gave it a favorable review by we, I mean. Um, the, the sequel specifically is a comfort film for me. I can watch it over and over again. I think the first one is very, very good. It just has a lot of train scenes in it, which sometimes if I'm using it to try and fall asleep is a little difficult. But no, the second one also, um, I I enjoy both movies, um, Enola and Enola Holmes, but um, the second one, just seeing a young girl again, not being sexualized she's allowed to be pretty in a couple of scenes like she goes to a party and she's in a pretty dress but like it's never sexualized um she's portrayed as competent but not mary sue where like she can do everything and never needs help like in her there's a really good scene where her mother says to her like oh, i'm gonna mess up the quote helen bonham carter's character her mother says something like like you're brilliant on your own but like with help you could be amazing now i'm going to look up the quote because it's going to bother me but like it's just like <laughs> women helping women break out of prison um and like it's a it's a brother and sister like buddy cop movie it's like it it's just um it's just a movie i can watch over and over again where she's again competent but not I know, she doesn't do that thing where like oh and like when she, the the meat cutes and like the scenes with her love interest and I'm like oh I'm clumsy isn't that a cute isn't that a cute quirk I have that I'm so clumsy it's like no she's very competent but when she flounders he's able to help her just because it's understanding high society and not it's not because she's dumb it's not because she just she's incapable it's being helped just by different people in her life helping her through different situations you know like uh she's taught things from like you know uh, kung fu or martial arts to how to move through a ballroom properly and um it's like the movie is action-packed but also very sweet it has this really it hits this really sweet spot of um sword fights someone gets shot but there's also like a really sweet ballroom scene so or like like he and it's just yeah I don't want to and I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it first off I would say watch the first one I enjoyed it very much and for the sequel, I also enjoyed the sequel, but I will say, not but, um, the the casting in it is quite excellent. These are, of course, yes. Netflix original series, but we have Henry Cavill as Sherlock Holmes, which the uh, the the estate for, uh, I'm blanking For on. Sherlock Holmes, the estate was, uh, Sir, um, 
Arthur Conan Doyle is the author correct? Yes, Arthur. Yes, Conan his Doyle. estate. Yes. His estate allegedly complained that he was too human and too kind in Henry Cavill's rendition of the character. He cares too much for his sister. Was allegedly the complaint from yeah. the uh, Which, estate. I mean, you know, certainly in the in the in the the stories that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote, he's Sherlock Holmes is is a bit of an of a crazy person. And we definitely got, you know, he he's definitely much nicer. It's also Henry Cavill's a very handsome man, and he's also like a thousand feet tall and a thousand feet wide. And he is it's kind of impossible to make him, especially with his natural English speaking voice, kind of hard to make him not likable. So I don't think they tried, uh, which I think was the right move. Likewise, though, we don't, I mean, I think of uh Guy Ritchie's two Sherlock Holmes films, and supposedly there is a third in the mm -hmm. works with um, Robert Downey Jr. as Sherlock. He's also not unlikable. He's no. kind of a scam, a rapscallion, but he's certainly not unlikable. It's so just I think Tony that's Stark in the 1800s, which is fine. It I is, could watch. It is. I could watch RDJ be Tony Stark in several different universes, and I would never complain. It would be, it would be worth the watch every time. But um. Yeah, the the cast in Enola Holmes, you know, and you guys have talked about it in both films, but Millie Bobby Brown is fantastic. Lewis Partridge as Tewksbury, her love interest. Um, Hannah Dodd, Dodd as Sicily. Um, David Thewlis as Lieutenant Grail. He's so great. So, so Professor Lupin as a, as a villain, just so bizarre, but also so fantastic it. to watch. Absolutely loved it. That actor is usually... So, uh, he's been a villain before. That's another movie, but to... To be so known for this beloved Harry Potter character, to see him play a villain that is really, truly, you don't like him. And he's very unnerving to watch on screen. It's 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 fun to watch him. And of course, Helen Bodum Carter is fantastic. Um, Sharon Duncan Brewster, who is in the film, is so good. I don't want to give away who yes. she is, but like... It's it's she, worth. I think she's my favorite character. The reveal also, of her character is, I think, yes. Worth, um, worth I, and I even saw it coming, and it was great. She's also just a phenomenal actress. She played Albrecht in Alien Containment, which was a short from 2019. But uh, most recently, people will know her from um, Dune Part One from 2021. She plays Doctor Kynes, and she just is really fantastic in it. Uh, it was very um, nice to see her. And Serana Suling Bliss, I'm so sorry if I say her name wrong. She is the one who hires Anola at the beginning of the film to find her lost sister, um, younger actress. But like, again, like just women, young women shown being competent, even when they don't have all the answers. Um, like she finds Anola on her own. Um, and even when another character is like, oh, this, this fancy, like high society woman is not going to help us. She's like, no, like, I know my sister would not abandon me without good reason. Like, I need to know what's happened to her. It's just, and she's very good actress and she she might be playing younger than she i'm not sure her age i'm trying to find it real quick but young actress very good um and uh i don't think i've done the movie justice but it's one of my comfort films it's just women kicking ass at all ages and it makes me really happy well and i think it's fun too if you're if you are a fan of sherlock holmes and his various iterations because something about sherlock holmes is that the films have always taken many elements of the character from the stories as well as many liberties um such as you know the the the, the strange the, the detective hats and things like that um that we're used to from basil rathbone uh versions of sherlock holmes are not really always present in the source material and so i think it's totally fine to continue to bring a unique point of view on these characters I'm sorry, can you please stop moving <laughs> yeah i i closed, so I closed my window i, need, I closed my window I need, you to, I need you to finish what you're doing and then finish not the everybody thought. can see me okay <laughs> so um oh, we are primarily an audio podcast i'm just kidding so uh what's interesting is that i i actually one of my favorite characters from the show the enola home series is lestrade who is the scotland yard um, representative and in this usually he's played in the films as bumbling oafish uh you know the 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 like he's a dumber version in these versions he's yeah, not bumbling it's also, just he's, he's also very he's, smart he's one of the smarter ones um, and he goes and, to homes for help instead of like i know what i'm doing he does go to 
Sherlock Holmes is like, hey, he and he tries to like, he's also fanboying a little bit, which I think is cute. <laughs> he's like, well, oh, and I'm I in your office. Yeah. I'm yes. in Senpai's and, office. It's adorable. And it's played by Adil Akhtar, who is his father was Pakistani, his mother was from Kenya. And uh, and if he was raised in London, of course. So I really like that they cast an actor of color in that role and didn't make him stupid because that's I mean, that's just cliche, number one, but also it's not, it just doesn't add anything. Whereas having him as this new sort of more nuanced character, he, he may not know, he might be able to find the solution in the way that Enola, uh, who's, you know, a match for her, her, her brother, Sherlock, he may not match their brilliance, but he's smart. He's one of the few people that's smart enough to know that they know something he doesn't. Right. So he's trusting them. And that's just such a fresh take for a film version of Lestrade. I loved it. Now, so we plus we've, when the villain insinuates that they are smarter than Sherlock and his sister, the side eye that Sherlock and Anola oh, give each other. Yes. And that's like they look at each other like, we're not the smartest person in the room. They're like, bitch, please. And and both Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill clearly have a really good chemistry for like yeah. the, the the sibling aspect which would seriously make or break this so uh it's fun also it's something just about all ages can watch the first one all ages yeah. can watch the sequel i would say all ages can watch there is a murder in it that it would potentially be upsetting for a very young audience but i would I say maybe it's... pg just for that one yeah that like one yeah scene it's just for one moment and it's not long. not a lot of gore just one tiny scene of blood yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah, so I I fully support that. Siblings helping siblings and bombastic side eye. So <laughs> I highly sounds, recommend. Sounds like a, <laughs> a day in the life of us. So I'm gonna uh, before I move to mine, Mandy. What are your comfort watches? All right, I have a few, so I'm just gonna yeah. like list them, and then you can choose which one you want to do the deep <laughs> dive on. All right, and it's kind of um, perhaps. Like these are different phases of my life. So like early on, like high school, college kind of phase, Anne of Green Gables. <laughs> All right. It makes me cry like every time when Matthew dies. I don't know why I want to watch that when I feel kind of crappy. Spoiler about alert. Some of us were Heidi girls. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, no, but um, yeah. So like if I especially if I was like physically ill like sick mm -hmm. and stuck at home like I was gonna put on Anna Green Gables and then Anne of Avonlea and watch watch that through um like the whole thing um then I would say like maybe a little bit later it was the Underworld series perhaps with Blade 3 added onto it and maybe if I was still feeling crummy like an interview with the vampire or a queen of the, especially queen of the dams, like right. kind of included in that same vein of ridiculous vampire films. Yes. Uh, and, <laughs> yes. So. yes. And then like, now it's more like firefly. Like if I'm just like having okay. like an off week or something, like I just put on like the firefly series in the background and that just is everything. Cause like all of them together is just like this quirky, amazing, balanced little family. And, um, you know, I just need more Firefly in my life. So there you go. So I don't know which one you, those you want to pick. <laughs> well, so let's touch on, so uh, it made me think, so Interviewing Gables, I don't, rem I know I've seen probably the film version you're talking about from like the early nineties mm -hmm. um, would be my guess, but I don't remember it greatly uh, or the sequel, of course. Mm -hmm. The vampire movies, uh, I I very much understand all of them. I I love the Underworld <laughs> series, um, except for I did I think it was Underworld Awakening that that was a huge disappointment for me. Uh, but mm -hmm. I loved Kate Beckinsale in those first roles. I loved when Rona Mitra took over the female lead role for Rise of the Lycans. I think it was the prequel. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was that was strong, and uh, I I I love those movies. Especially, it's weird that you say that because. It's one of those films where, and, and Tad will probably remember this, um, I was one of the rare defenders, not completely, and it is a Michael Bay film, but uh, for Transformers 2, Revenge of the Fallen, oh. and I was also, I was <laughs> you more You have conversations so even, about this constantly. I know, I know. Um, it's, it's, listen, Leonard Nimoy in there. No, 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 really... no. You are mistaken. Leonard Nimoy was in the third one, not the no. second one. Oh wait, 
Yes. Oh, you're, you're talking right. about Dark of the Moon had him. Are you sure yes. you're talking? Are you talking about the bowling ball? No. I mean, I'm no, no, the wrecking of, ball I'm, balls, balls dangling yes. off I am, of Devastator. I am. I am talking about Devastator. Yes. Now there are ridiculous. Um, there are ridiculous aspects of it for sure. But I would hazard. I will hazard to say the movie actually has more ridiculous entertainment than Dark of the Moon. Here's why I'll say that. Dark of the Moon is probably a better... No, it's a better movie. Yes. Um, but I think... But the robots, the robot scenes without the people, and except for the, you know, Michael Bay's like, hey, men have balls. That's funny. Um, except for that scene and that and and the two little goofball side characters that curse and yell, the, the, the like, wannabe gremlins for or ghoulies for ghoulies anyway except for those i actually think it's better i think we get a great uh megatron uh it, it's actually the first time i feel we really get to see optimus prime be badass uh so go back and watch revenge of the fallen with 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 fresh eyes and you'll take away something extra but anyway the point is is that i am also a defender of underworld 2 underworld 2 is the best of the action movies in that franchise. The action is nonstop because it starts with an elder vampire, you know, bursting, awakening, and just wreaking havoc. We get some great uh, flying wing shots and battles, and uh, and it's really lovely. And I, I think that the action in that one is uh, taking. Yeah, I would say of action. the three, I would say of the three, the second one is my favorite as well. Like the the first yeah. was pretty good, like. The second one is definitely kind of more like generally what I want to be watching with, when it's I'm in this watchable. mood. Yeah. And then like the third one, I feel like they kind of like, I don't, I was like, this well, they remade very, the first one. <laughs> yeah. Like they remade them like, this is very different. Like, um, it's Romeo and Juliet. And I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't um, know what is happening here. So I would say like, if, you know, I, I might put on Blade 3 instead. Oh my, the third one Fair. in the series. Well, it's um, funny because I feel like the third one, they're like, we can't get back at Kate Beckinsale. I'm like, well, then mm -hmm. we can't do a sequel. We'll do a prequel. Get uh, get yeah. Kate Beckinsale from the wrong side of the tracks, which is Ronamitra, mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah. and and that's what they did. Um, and we also get a lot of cast members from Lord of the Rings in that one too. They're just like, hey, we need long hair and beards. Pull them over here. Uh, but, and, and I just want to say sequels in general, uh, both Revenge of the Fallen, and Underworld 2, and also um, The Mummy Returns with Brendan Fraser, uh, is they they understood, okay, the first one had a great plot and development and all that stuff with all these characters. The second one, if we can't match that, which is incredibly risky and difficult because everybody's met these characters, what do we do? We're like, oh, we give them actions to do. We take the characters and put them through the ringer so we can watch characters we already know and love do their thing through new set pieces, environments, uh, interacting with new enemies. And that's a smart way to approach a sequel uh, if you if you want to be safe. I don't think it's really taking a risk, but I don't think it's bad either. Um, and so those are that's very common, and I think it works in many cases. Hey, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 did it also, right? Um, they're like, what do we do? Well, introduce another side character for them to hang around with, and then more more mutant animal shit okay even the shredder becomes super shredder and a mutant at the end right so they just up the ante and give us something to watch and then interview like, with the vampire like a lot of things then the third movie is like what well, what do we do now i don't know time travel i guess it's so funny exactly and the third one <laughs> we will do just we will do a hardcore yeah. we will do a hardcore deep dive on the ninja turtles films because they are truly great it's funny because this is an aside to prep people for that eventuality teenage mutant Ninja turtles 3 i was disappointed in when i was a kid watching it as an adult i was surprised how much was better than i remembered and so it'll be interesting to revisit that one again and talk it through uh of course the recasting of april and neil was the hardest part but we'll move again. on it has elias codius so hey you got my casey jones we're fine and so Interview with the Vampire, of your list uh, of vampire films, I think Interview with the Vampire, Neil Jordan movie, I believe, is probably considered the highest brow. Yeah, that's why I don't uh, like it as much. <laughs> like, it takes, it, like, right, it like takes I said more Interview mental... with the Vampire, but I'm like, no, 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 Queen of the Damned. 
Like, Queen of the Damned. Like, Whereas Queen of the Damned, like, right? Queen of the yes. Damned. <laughs> Queen of the Damned, Aaliyah's last role, Hot Topic era, brilliance. Like, like how do Corrin we take... did the soundtrack. Yes. Like, just a, in train wreck of, like, who, pop who? culture nonsense. <laughs> who, was, it, was it Stuart Townsend who was the lead in that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I re- so this yeah. is what I remember about that. I remember Stuart Townsend pulled a um, uh, Kirsten Dunst and never pulled a Kirsten Dunst, which is what <laughs> Kirsten Dunst did. Is he went on the talk shows to promote the movie and mm-hmm. said it was rubbish. He said it was just, just stupid. Uh, and here's what you don't do if you want to have a successful career in, in film is shit on the movie that literally is in theaters with you as the star at that moment. You wait. You Robert Pattinson it. You don't curse. Robert Pattinson played the long game. He did. I mean, Robert Pattinson played the long game. And as soon as it was done, he was like, yeah, I know the movies were garbage. I just wanted to make millions upon millions of dollars. Right. He's a fucking Batman now. Yeah, he's like, well, now he has the money to do whatever. He can take whatever project he wants from now until forever but i think yeah i think it also just comes off as ungrateful again someone because what other movie was that actor in to be like this is garbage it it tanked his career and it wasn't the movie the movie actually did okay um (laughs) and it's also quite rewatchable of course it did Aaliyah's Um, in it exactly she's beautiful and amazing i mean put it on mute and just watch her move around like wiggle around in that Princess Leia bikini for an exactly hour and a half. like Cara Delevingne mm-hmm. definitely took notes when she played the enchantress in David Ayer's hacked up version of Suicide Squad and so Queen of the Damned. Here's the one thing I will I remember a lot of it because I also watched that movie a lot. Uh, the one thing I remember is the sound. Alone. No, not <laughs> at all. The sound that they used to indicate uh, Aaliyah's biting open of. Mm. um sir townsend's like chest it might even have been his nipple i can't remember <laughs> but he bites it is literally like the sound of a crisp apple it is yeah. the weird it is the moment <laughs> is it's just like crunch i'm like wow his skin is pulled really taut uh it was it was wild i i urge people to go watch that moment um no i love that i totally see that and i agree interview with the vampire is a very different kind of film it's the between the yeah. time shifts and the bleak mm-hmm um well, everyone's say, already upset they're not comforting right. me. And the late, <laughs> the late, yeah the unresolved <laughs> latent homoeroticism right um that comes mm. through which is welcome in, in many cases but for a comfort film the tensions are yeah no and the it's no, also no, no. languid right it's very languid yeah. they're they spend yeah, a no. lot of time staring out of things or staring mm-hmm. at each other or lounging I mean, I like, in I like um, the film I've seen shirts. it many many times yeah. but it is not like in it's not on my list of like the I, I misspoke when I said that first before Queen of well, the Dam and I'm like Anne Rice no but not that one like, well and it's funny too because um I when I say Kirsten Dunst it I'm not yeah. speaking of Kirsten Dunst as a child actor in interview i'm speaking about her shitting on spider-man, Spider-Man. 3 which i understand a lot of people did you know that we can talk about that yeah. one someday too because that's an interesting process there i and i was, she was at, never I think, heard from again oh boy it's been a while um mm. she yeah she really shot herself in the foot um because why it's again it's one thing to speak out about a film where you've had a very bad experience um mm. you know because you do frankly I think it's correct to call out people because it will happen to somebody else, especially on a film set. It's just like any other workplace. If there's a toxic environment, that toxic environment will persist into other, mm-hmm. you know, the next project with those people if um, they're not made accountable. So but I do totally not get besmirch that. the works of Tobey Maguire ever, madam. <laughs> well, and I mean, Sam Raimi, like you, the Sam Raimi fans, she lost all cult film credibility when she did that, because no matter what you thought of the film, I mean, Sam Raimi is beloved, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, Evil Dead Two alone was enough to bring him to to the forefront of of cult loyalty. And then you bring us uh, every other thing you've done as well, including uh, the film that we will definitely talk about in the near future, Drag Me to Hell. Absolutely. Oh so, yes, please. 
Yes, absolutely. So <clears throat> anyway, and then the last one you talked about is Blade 3, which was uh, David Goyer's, I believe his first directorial uh, feature that was in his which, writer which we've wrote. done like a whole episode on. oh we did, so we did talk you can about go it. back um, in the archive it's true you can go back and listen i think it might be one of our like what are our favorite sequels is that what it was, uh, it was i can't at least remember one of my favorite sequels it was like it was either favorite sequels or we like put the blade movies in the order that we like them the most or we like yeah. picked our favorite blade film i forget the, you know fair the exact and, name, but i know that i I think I picked that one, and I it was kind of alone in def defending it. Tad, Tad loves that film. Um, you can I take enjoyed it. Big sugar frosted fuck off fuck. the end of the deck, okay? Exactly. So there's a okay. satellite that's in space. <laughs> like, that's, I mean, that's true. I, uh, when you mix true. vampires with that, I mean, Parker Posey's in it, which is the light. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, yeah. Jessica Biel, who I sat behind at a restaurant. I'm sure Triple we about H. That. Yeah, yeah, Triple H, you know, playing Sabretooth in yet another movie. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's the so it's very, <laughs> it's very entertaining. The Devil Palmarine is what I remember. The problem is, is that it followed Blade Two, and Blade Two was Guillermo del Toro's masterclass in how you do a sequel. Um, yet another action-packed, beautiful sequel. It's by far, in my opinion, it's by far the best. It outdoes Steve Norrington's Blade One by a, a country mile. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yes, very understandable. And you can go back and listen to our, our one-off episodes. I think that was sequels that are better than the originals. That might have been that. Maybe, yeah. So, yes. Did you have another one? After No, that was oh, the final, right? Oh, I said right? Firefly at the end, which I think Corinne Firefly. got kind of excited about. <laughs> like, yes, Corinne is, yes. Corinne is fangirling over there if you're watching the video. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I hadn't watched Firefly until Corinne showed it to me. And I do mm -hmm. like Nathan Fillion. Many of the cast members also Captain excellent. Titan. I like the concept. You and every other human on the planet likes Nathan Sure. Fillion. Who doesn't? You know, yeah. I mean, unless, like, I'll watch anything he's in except The Rookie, which I guess is why it was canceled. Um, so, I'm just kidding. Come on, the, come on, Nathan Fillion. Come on the show. I'd love to, love to have you here. Uh, I don't got Nathan please. Fillion money. We don't have, <laughs> so, we don't have, do we don't, we don't even have Nathan Wyckoff money. And that's, <laughs> um, yeah, so, <laughs> No, I like that. I remember we talked about Firefly very briefly before another as well when Jeff was here, uh, mm, and and I said that I, I liked the series a lot and I mm -hmm. hated the final episode, mm. and and he disagreed. It was actually I think his favorite. He said, and I will tell you why I hate the final episode again because I think I already told you once. Uh, it's it's the episode where they come across the like bounty hunter or something. Mm. I forget why yeah. he's hunting them. He monologues the whole. It's like watching he monologues weird. the whole show. And here's yeah. the problem: it what could have been. It's worse. Well, I don't know. If it's worse. Jubilee. It's the same concept. Yeah. yeah, it's the same concept between um, uh, Jonathan Majors' Kang reveal at the end of Loki season one, which mm. everybody was like, "Oh, it's so good." I'm like, "No, it's bad writing because all he does is he sits on top of a desk." and monologues exposition at us for like five minutes at least and i'm like this is not um uh, 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 this is not a show or a movie this is somebody's audition reel that they're trying to pitch to join like shakespeare in the park like don't mm. give me that and that was that character he just monologues it was it bringing up shakespeare it was king lear's like insane monologue yelling at the storm for a like what are those episodes an hour long or are they 20 minutes i can't remember but oh, i think they're like 40 yeah, yeah right yeah, sure. the, so it was an hour 40, spot 40 45 with commercials like 45 you know what i love in the last episode of a series i love seeing none of the characters i liked in the series but introducing a brand new character that does nothing but talk at me well it was canceled die at right? the end yeah. Yes, I know. Yeah. Yes, he, I know it was canceled. But here's yes, the problem, so though. The, and the ending, the ending, I think, is indicative of it's intentional, his feelings, which is what yes. I hate. We will, we will, someday maybe we will broach the topic of Joss Whedon because there are lots of complicated feelings. We're Buffy fans here, but obviously uh, he is a problematic individual. But he does that, and I hated it every single time. He refuses to give the audience like a reasonable amount of closure before he moves on he intentionally shafts his fans by ending things in the worst most unresolved way when he knows that they're probably going to get canceled oh, and this mean they'll have a comic series 
I mean, but come on. I mean, he's hoping for a comp. I mean, that's what he does. He, there was I mean, a movie. It, for Firefly, yes, there was. Sorry. Well, yeah, um, Firefly got a movie. <laughs> yeah, Buffy did not. Other, that's other, right. Other things I loved did not. So I'm yeah, still angry so, and bitter and, about it. And I mean, he bitched and moaned about that movie the whole time, even though fans yeah. gave him money for it. Uh, but any who's it's um, moving on. No, that's great. I love that. Uh, I think I'm the only one that hasn't gone, right? For comfort Correct. Shows. Yeah. Okay. Just you. So I, I pulled two, but I'm going to add a couple on the at the end as well. So the first one I pulled, and these are shows that I love so much, I watch them and I sleep to them. Uh, Corinne will often wake up in the middle of the night and I will have changed whatever was on the TV, if anything, to one of these things. Uh, the first is going to be absolutely no surprise, but deserves discussion, which is Mystery Science Theater 3000. And I will tag on Riff Tracks, which is, of course, the closing members of the cast of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, doing more movie riffs now. And they've actually, I think, surpassed the amount of episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000 with riff tracks. Uh, but what it, anyone who's listening to this, if you don't know what Mystery Science Theater 3000 is or you haven't actually watched it, you're so missing out because it's a brilliant sketch comedy show where, and I'm warning you if, you, if you hate sketch comedy, that's okay because it's a small fraction of it. The rest of it is professional comedians telling jokes over a movie. It is you sitting on the couch with your friends, making fun of a bad film, except your friends in this case are legitimately funny, not just funny to you, okay? This is legitimately funny stuff. And some are better than others, but the range of films that they have done is just staggering. And, and I mean, I, they do cult classics like The Room, and they do yes. films you probably never heard of. Um, Guy from Harlem is a, a gem, and I'm not sure if that's a cult classic for some circles, but <laughs> I think it only it's... is. I mean, they brought that to yeah. life. Uh, that is, that is, of course, a, a wonderfully. Ins it has the most, as I think Bill Corbett the said, most in the flood intro lines part, per capita of per any capita film in American any... film history. Yes, exactly, it's brilliant, and they're probably um, reading their lines for some of the scenes. This makes it even more yeah. wild, and then ad libbing, and then sure, forgetting yeah. their ad libbing. Yeah, there's there's more loose ends to dialogue in Guy from Harlem, which is covered by Riff Tracks, uh, than all of the unresolved bits of the Lord of the Rings books that Peter Jackson put into the extended editions and didn't finish in the rest of the films. There's more, okay? That is like an unwrapped sweater's worth. That is a Weezer worth of unresolved moments of dialogue. So, yes. So I love Mystery Science Theater. Some facts about Mystery Science Theater people may not know because I'm a nerd and that's why I have a podcast is Mystery Science Theater started on essentially public access. Uh, they did several features. My understanding is they did several features that actually have never really been released uh, because they didn't, you know, they weren't TV ready or they didn't have the rights, but they circled around on cassette tape. And uh, then they ended up doing features, which by the way, the producers did not get the clearance for. So there are early episodes of the show uh, when it was on, public access and I think even up up until Comedy Central. Comedy Central eventually picked it up. Uh, but where they didn't have the rights, which is why you'll see um some of, of the episodes if you IMDB them are not available for purchase because they have released them on you know uh, DVD and stuff um or watching online because they didn't have the rights. They also released some DVD and then found out they didn't have the rights. Like I believe um there's a Godzilla and a Gamera film that they are not are no longer or were never available for purchase because of a rights issue. And we also, so they started in public access. They moved to Comedy Central. In Comedy Central, uh, they started scripting the riffs. What does that mean? It means that for the first couple seasons, they literally improved their riffs throughout the film. Does it show? Sure. Is it still funny? Yeah, because they're funny people. But when it moved to Comedy Central, it became a little more pro. They then did a couple of watches of the movie and wrote down jokes and moved along in that way. Mm -hmm. Joel Hodgson was the creator of that. Uh, and, and we lost Tad. That's okay. Thank you, Tad, for joining us. Um, we, and, and, and it, it got tighter, right? It got more, more mass consumption ready. And then eventually the show moved for its last few seasons to Sci-Fi Channel. There was a lot of frustration and consternation about the move to sci-fi channel because anyone who knows the history of science of sci-fi channel the science fiction channel 
um, or sci-fi with like S-Y-F-Y. I forget which one they're using now. I think that's the one they're using now, uh, the rebrand, is because Sci-Fi Channel is very strict about what can be shown on the Sci-Fi Channel. They say first, you can only have science fiction movies. That's since been buffed. They didn't even stick with that through the actual <laughs> last seasons of Mystery Science Theater. I'm thinking of the, they did the girl with the gold boots. There is not a lick of science fiction in that film. Uh, There's teleportation in that movie. <laughs> there is a teleportation scene. <laughs> teleportation people, via terrible editing where a character will edit. be, not be in the scene and then be in the scene due to the magic of the terrible editing. Yes, it's pretty wild. Um, yeah, so so they, so they so there was some stress, I believe, behind the scenes about Sci-Fi Channel uh, axing some choices in films they wanted to do. But they did the brilliance of kind of forcing there to be a thread of story, narrative story between the skits. And while many people like push back against that, it gave us some of the best comedy moments and the best comic actors that I think have ever graced uh, skit television. Namely, um, it gave us, of course, uh, uh, Bill Corbett as uh, Crow, the robot, and as Professor, uh, rather as Brain Guy, right? The Observer, uh, who held his brain in a pan. And Kevin Murphy, who was the longest running member of Mystery Science Theater 3000, is now with Rift Tracks. He joined, I believe, in the second season, uh, and he carried it all the way through. So he worked with just about everybody. Uh, he played Professor Bobo, a Planet of the Apes spoof, and Tom Servo. And then, uh, of course, Mike Nelson, who has always been my personal favorite. He hosted after creator Joel Hodgson left the series to uh, pursue other things. He, he had creative differences uh, and then wanted and then decided to leave purportedly because he's like, the show will continue better without me. And actually, I do understand that because anyone who's run something for a long time, like a podcast, at some point, if things need to grow, it may not be easy for you to grow with it. I am not going anywhere. So you can keep those email suggestions to yourself. Uh, but it was great. And I will say, who the best? Mary Jo Peel and Bridget Nelson, who graced us with their presence on this very podcast. Go back and watch us discuss um, uh, mommy killers with... Uh, <laughs> so I married a serial killer and um, uh, Texas cheerleading murder mom. I can't remember, uh, but it's with um, Holly Hunter and it's it's brilliant. And so, okay. Mystery Science Theater. Loved it. Brilliant. Uh, also heavily inspired by Silent Running, which we reviewed recently. Uh, that movie has a guy stuck in space in a blue jumpsuit with patches on it who befriends a couple of the robots on board to try and save off loneliness. And lo and behold, Joel Hodgson pretty much made that a show, but a comedy instead of a very depressing um, eco-warning film. Uh, he, he's stuck in space watching bad movies and built a couple of robots to make it. Now, the robots, as well as the original set and later the, the updated sets kept the aesthetic, were all made with crap they had around houses and um, toys that they bought and took apart from Goodwill. So there's a Millennium Falcon on the back wall, like a, a, a Darth Vader mold, slinkies. There's all sorts of stuff from Goodwill tacked on the walls. And Crow and Servo uh, are, are made from lots of fun things. Crow's beak is made of a plastic bowling pin cut in half. Um, his, his head net, he has like a net behind him, I believe is the the mask feature from a catcher's mask or a hockey mask. Um, there's two soap dishes for his midsection. Tom Servo is very clearly a gumball machine. Uh, and and uh, I don't know if it's a, I forget what it is that makes up his hover skirt, but and he has slinkies for arms. It's just brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, just, it's one of those, when we talk low budget brilliance, Mystery Science Theater is low budget brilliance. I'm going to move on from that now, but I want everybody to go back and watch it. Um, you can get, if you, if you get the Shout Factory channel, which I urge you to do anyway, because it's pretty great. It has Scream Factory titles, whatever. But if you get that on wherever you get your stuff, Amazon, I'm sure it's on Roku and other things, probably. But pick that up. It's only a couple of dollars a month, like three bucks a month. And you can watch tons of uh, Mystery Science Theater episodes and other things. There's also the reboot <clears throat> that has lots of fun guest stars from the original cast on Netflix as well. Jerry Seinfeld's even in an episode, I believe. But then we move to Rift Tracks. Rift Tracks, as I said before, it is... Uh, Michael J. Nelson and Bill Corbett and Kevin Murphy and 
also in addition in separate films, uh, Bridget Nelson and Mary Jo Peel uh, riffing on movies. And it's like a stripped down version of Mystery Science Theater, but because it's stripped down and because you can purchase them online, it is huge quantity of films. I mean, absolutely wild amount of films, new and old. Paul F. Tompkins is a guest riffer yes. on one of the films too. Yes, he is. So I make they bring um, in other comedians as well. Yes, brilliant Paul F. Tompkins, who I will have to talk about in a moment as well for something else. Um, also, uh, in some of their live shows, they do several live shows that they broadcast to theaters uh, across the U.S. every year. I don't know what this year is going to be, but it's it's definitely going to be something we'll be checking out. Um, but they also had Weird Al Yankovic on. Um, just these these people are very influential in the cult film community, and they've been a part of it forever. And it's just it's a delight to have them still here. Um, for those mega fans of Mystery Science Theater and Rift Tracks, uh, make sure you also if you you probably have it if you haven't already. Also find um, Cinematic Titanic, which is pretty much everybody but Kevin Murphy, Bill Corbett, and uh, Mike Nelson uh, doing riffs of other films. And then also check out uh, the, what are they called? The film, the film crew, uh, which was an attempt to sort of recapture a, a, a framing story and skits from Mystery Science Theater with Kevin Murphy, Bill Corbett, and Michael J. Nelson. Uh, in sort of a Charlie's Angels vibe, uh, and then they riffed movies. Still very funny. Uh, it was clearly too much effort to bother producing the skits when what the meat of it was was the riffs, which is why Riff Tracks then came along. So, But check those out. You can get them on DVD. They're a lot of fun. I've rambled on a lot about that, but again, nerding out on Mystery Science Theater 3000. We will now move to my second choice, which is Bob's Burgers. Yes, Bob's Burgers, the show that is running on Fox, now owned by Disney, uh, that recently had a feature film. This is the best show to represent all sorts of things from um, queer characters to um, neurodivergent characters to just okay being weird, which so many of us, you know, are and don't feel like we really fit anywhere. All of those things are magically addressed in Bob's Burgers without ever being called out. They simply exist in this world and people are okay and embrace it it is the most real true uh presentation of differences between people because it is the perfect world scenario right you are not no one thinks it's weird that you're weird because you're you right it's just it's wonderful and the way they tackle it there's no no one could ever argue which they shouldn't anyway but there's no one argue oh it's woke no, it's it's real, and real life has people with different um, different mental uh, decision making uh, aspects, neurodivergent. Some of the characters have ADHD, and some are autistic. You can just say it. <laughs> well, like, sure. And like, I mean, you're trying to say this. Even... You're like, how do I say this as scientifically as possible? I'm like, there's neurodivergent characters. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's wonderful. And they're the gay characters are not who are adults. It's never oh, you're married to a same-sex partner? It's not even a thing. Like, they don't, they're like, uh-huh, yeah, that's my wife. Okay, cool. Like, it's just, which, by the way, if you're a good person, that's how you're going to react to it. Um, so if that's not your initial reaction, you know, as as Zeke in Bob's Burgers would say, fix yourself, uh, girl. So anyway, and Paula Tompkins plays several characters uh, that recur on Bob's Burgers. It is a brilliant mix of fantastic comedians we have of course legendary voice actor and stand-up comedian h john benjamin uh from i mean what has he not been on he's been on tons of adult swim shows he did he did many uh many bits for octane hunger Force and other things and those are the small roles and then of course he was uh jason and coach mcgurk from home movies he was um uh, ben from uh dr katz dr katz's son ben and he's, I mean, his voice is instantly Archer. recognized. Archer, that's right. He plays the lead in Archer, Archer Sterling. He also um, is the uh, convenience store clerk, recurring character in Family Guy. I mean, if you have a show that's animated and you need a voiceover, you want him on it. Also, Master of None with Aziz Ansari. He was a side character in that, uh, the live action show. Just awesome. Really fantastic. Uh, but Bob's Burgers is just full of these amazing characters. Uh, I 
I can't even, I can't even, I can't even go over how many times we quote it. Several musical episodes and most of them Which are, are I, would, well I would say written. really well written, really well written. So good. Understand musical theater, like they yeah. understand yes. how to do it. Yeah. A and, lot of shows have a musical episode. This show has several <laughs> per season. Well, and I love it. And it, it's no surprise because the show is co-created by Lauren Bouchard. Lauren Bouchard is a multi, he has several Emmys. Uh, he created Bob's Burgers. He wrote some of it. He also created uh, Dr. Katz and he created um, Lucy, Daughter of the Devil, which is definitely a, what you call it? It's definitely an acquired taste in some cases. Um, he produced the, the short-lived, uh, well, I guess it was one season, the Ricky Gervais show. Um, he also did a short that they ran on Adult Swim called Saddle Rash about an armless cowboy, which I do remember. It was it was entertaining. He uh, did Central Park for Apple TV recently, and he also is an executive producer of The Great North, which is um, a, it's not a spinoff of Bob's Burgers, but it's very much similar in vain. But the reason I bring him up regarding music is he also uh, tends to write the theme songs for his shows. He is a musician. He does music as well. So that's why home movies, they also brought in, of course, Brendan Small, who played the lead and uh, later did Metalocalypse and is an incredible guitarist in his own right. They brought him in, but they did music and the music is great. It's really fun. I still sing songs uh, to myself from home movies, which I mean, he ran years ago, which, all the time. which is another all the time, <laughs> all the time. It's so good. So Bob's Burgers, you just can't go wrong. If you haven't gotten into this show, especially if you like animated comedies, um, you know, of course, Simpsons, American Dad, Cleveland Show, Family it's gonna Guy. It's going to kick me off the pod because I've never seen Bob's Burgers before. Well, That's... you go on the Hulu account. Now I will, need, I will get on need the, to Get on that. the Hulus and yeah. And <laughs> the movie is a it's... delight. The movie is a delight. Awesome. The movie is really so, good. I mean, I love like, like all of the characters that I just see in general, like mainstream pop culture, like t-shirts and memes and all that stuff like i'm very aware of it as a show i've just never sat yeah. down to watch it well the it's, super um, fun i made too. the mistake of trying to watch uh what was it not bob's burgers um i'm not gonna remember it it's terrible it's like this crazy scientist and like his nephew or something and I, I hear good things about it. And then I was like, oh, like, Rick and Morty. Oh, Rick and Morty. Yeah, Rick and Morty. <laughs> and I was like, I hope maybe it's just like a first episode thing. But like, I can't watch this. I'll, I'll send you some <laughs> recommendations. So I am a, I am a huge uh, Dan Harmon, Rick and Morty fan. Dan Harmon, of course, also created uh, uh, Community. And mm -hmm. I um, love Community. Yeah. And, and he, I would, I would consider giving it some more watches. The difference I think between Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty, first off, is very brilliantly written. The, the, the plots and concepts are quite brilliant, but it is the lead character is an unhappy, nihilistic man. So <laughs> he is, he is a lot to take sometimes. Um, mm. But it is, and we'll see how it goes without Justin Rowland, uh, you know, since it's come out that um, it's still in court, but it's come out that he is. Uh, physically abusive towards people and is actually miserable to work with so which is a bummer because he's got a very recognizable voice um but hey we can do it without you it's kind of the kind of the idea mm -hmm. so we'll see uh, how they deal with that but yes so uh <laughs> check out bob's burgers and i'm going to give two quick shout outs before we sign off tonight for other uh comfort shows kind of tying together i want to shout out uh uh on youtube and wow presents uh, plus uh and uh, I like to watch with Trixie Mattel and Katya Zomolochkovich. Yes. Anything Zomolochkova. Zomolochkova, sorry. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I go, I just say Katya because names are not my forte. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Listening to this pod. But um, I like to watch is on YouTube and uh, does come out on YouTube, but we pay for it on WoW Presents Plus. Which is still pretty cheap. And if you want to watch some, like, some other like five bucks queer content. Yeah, and and there's also some other fun stuff on there. It's a as far as streaming services go, it's a little light, but you can get some Drag Race. You can get a lot of the non-US Drag Race seasons mm -hmm. on there. So if you want to watch, you know, Holland, España, um, whatever, uh, you can watch that on there as well. But and also Love Connie's show where she introduces the old uh, the old uh, <laughs> Wow show where they they watch weird public access videos. 
check it out really <laughs> okay, we're comfort. Big, it's just the oh my gosh and big love con- <laughs> shout out to love connie absolutely love love connie follow on all social media go see her shows in hollywood and the rest of los angeles but again uh cycling back to know what those shows are uh which is insanely spelled just look up tricks and gotcha if you've never seen it you'll find it <laughs> yeah. uh, don't try it and spell is, it don't try and spell it it is like i don't know 16 letters long i don't even know yeah uh, roughly it's it's wild um but it's like a it's a chat show and it's just the two of them and mm-hmm. it is made brilliant because one they're funny but two they have a crack the, editorial staff the world's best editors <laughs> they add graphics and movements and, and it makes side and jokes in the background and combos in combos um I, we don't have an editor to add those things uh but but yeah it's it's so fun and it's delight now I will tell you, both of these have dirty jokes. So if you have a problem with gay material or dirty jokes, well, I don't know what you're yeah. doing listening to a cult film podcast. Uh, but yes, so funny. And uh, I I love, uh, I don't, I can't pick a favorite between uh and I like to watch, but I like to yeah. watch with Trixie and Katya is uh, a show they do for Netflix, which airs on YouTube. Here's a great thing because one, it's very popular, but two, it's paid for by Netflix and clearly they have a deal with YouTube. There are no commercial breaks, no sponsored material when you watch I Like to Watch on YouTube. So if you hate YouTube because you have to watch sponsored videos, which, by the way, let them get some money for providing us with countless hours of content. Pay the creators but, that you watch. Exactly. But um, in this case, uh, they do get paid and you get to watch without commercials. But they watch shows and movies that are on Netflix at the time. So they've done um, some classic classic films like Mean Girls. They've done um, so, lots of horror films for Halloween that you maybe have missed. They do they do lots of the the reality shows that Netflix has put forward, yeah. which is super fun because if you're like me, I don't want to watch a reality show, but I love <laughs> the ridiculous drama. So watching other people watch it in in small condensed sections is magic. They just did yeah. Love Is Blind season four. Let me tell you something. I don't need to watch that show, but I am so happy <laughs> that I watched the episode of Trixie and Katya watching that show. It's awesome. They, they, as drag queens who know makeup, they did uh, Glow seasons one through, uh, <laughs> is it Glow Up or Glow? I think it's just Glow, right? Uh, glow Up. Okay, Glow Up. My apologies. Glow, glow is the, the women's wrestling show. Yeah. But yeah, Glow Up seasons one through three. I don't know why they haven't done four, uh, but Ding it's just super dong. fun dang dong they make they make fun of it but they also are just reacting together it's two hilarious friends watching tv on a couch and interacting with each other it is it is magic you literally can't go wrong and uh corinne and i sleep to those quite regularly even though trixie has a bird laugh that pretty much cracks windows and i love yeah. and i love it we wouldn't have it any but other it's way comforting now right it, it is, is. yeah now it's now it's the sound that puts me to sleep so yeah, that's right. And we won't be airing this until after we go, but Corinne and I are going to be going tomorrow to the Trixie Motel for a book signing for uh, Legends of Drag, Drag of a Certain Age, a new uh, photo bio book that has been put out. Check it out on uh, whatever website or store that you buy books from. And it shouldn't be Amazon because Amazon doesn't give enough money to the creators. I know it's easy. I use it too, but let's try and do better. Okay. Thank you all so much. Those are my recommendations. Those are Corinne's recommendations, Tad recommendations, Amanda's recommendations for comfort watches. Please send us your comfort watches. We would love to know what they are and check them out. Send your stuff to uh, info at cultandclassicfilms.com. Please like and subscribe and rate us all the stars wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find us. And we love you very much. Go to cultandclassicfilms.com, sign up for our newsletter, and uh, check out our shop. It's new, and there'll be lots more really, really cool things coming, which I can't yet announce, but they're so cool. Okay, thank you all. Please uh, listen next week where we have a brand new pairing of films coming to you. And to play us out, as always, is The Chud with All About Evil. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights 
privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.